had three weeks. Oh, yeah. I was only doing this for you. I loved <laughs> you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Welcome to Netflix. I'm Chad Rowan. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're talking about Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, which was released in 2007 for the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC. And uh, it was developed by Infinity Ward, published by Activision. Which, of course, uh, became a really nonsensical debate about when Infinity Ward started making Call of Duty games and then that other studio... Triarch? Yeah, started making the other series of them. Yeah. And they're like, which ones are better? And everyone's like, who cares? We're just going to end up buying all of them anyway. (laughs) You already know this, though, because this game is the most famous video game of the past, like, decade, completely redefined the entire space that we lived in for, like, a console generation and a half, and is only just now maybe being usurped by, like, Fortnite. Maybe. <laughs> and that's, and that's Not it. Not Minecraft? <laughs> no. Minecraft was always its own bubble. True. There wasn't enough attempts to copy it immediately. because That's tech- okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But this, we're getting into, like, the topmost layer of the big milk jug that is video games. We're really, like, skimming the skim. Do they call it skim at the top of the milk? The weird, like, fat layer? That's the cream. Sure. Yeah. We're it getting rises. into... That's called, the act of removing that is skimming it. Go- yeah. Oh, gotcha. Verbs. Cool. So really, skim milk should be called skimmed Duh, milk. milk. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we are now getting at the layer of video games that everyone has seen, including your mother. Right. Yeah. Uh, hilariously, as far as I know, not any of us, though. <laughs> right, yeah, this, like, the effect that this game had on the video game industry is, like, a big reason why I barely played any video games for, like, eight years. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh, that's, that is moderately fair. That is modern warfareately fair. Because... That actually, the pun there spun into ferret, which is not where I wanted to go. <laughs> I'm going to eject that pun. Yeah. Bad pun. I'll, I'm going to let you finish. And just instead of having to do any of that pun stuff, yeah. I'll, I'll recover instead. I'd say, I played this game when it came out. And I don't know if either of you guys knew about this. No, I did no. not know that you played it. No. My dad uh, loves and supports me. So he bought me a 360. And like, what he assumes video games are. And at the time... That was like Halo 3, even though I never owned an Xbox and thus never played a Halo game before. Right. And like Call of Duty 4 and some other associated video game accoutrement. I feel like this is the point, actually, because I want to talk about that, like, just the impact that this game had on, like, the the gaming public at large, Mm -hmm. I guess to say, Um, in comparison to something like Halo. Um... But I do want to open with the disclaimer that because this game is old, uh, 11 years old, in fact, um, we did not play the multiplayer. I have to imagine that even attempting to play the multiplayer would be something just short of a nightmare. (laughs) Uh, I feel like you would end up with, like, the thing that happens to fighting games in two weeks after they come out, (laughs) where the only people who are still playing Modern Warfare are, like, either cheating or literally the best people at Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 
So that part, of, because the, the multiplayer of this game is really what put it in the zeitgeist, far more than like it as a game ever did. Because mm. as far as I'm, I, I, because I've played Call of Duty and Call of Duty Two, and then I skipped three and four, and I played Black Ops when it came out. So there are probably like a dozen or so of these games that I haven't played. But as far as I know, four was the first one that actually had multiplayer. They had multiplayer in the old ones, but like most like Xbox era multiplayer games, it was like multiplayer. Like it was really <laughs> stretching before the era when you can have that kind of connectivity and this kind of consistent matchmaking and positive experiences where you didn't have to have like, I don't know, a separate phone line or like weird <laughs> things to connect to other weird things. Right. Yeah. It was consistent uh, and really set the tone early for what we now understand is like the modern multiplayer grinding experience. It was one of the early and certainly one of the first popular early multiplayer games where you had a progression system that was tied to you that just made you kind of demonstrably better than other players, but it was a subtle enough progression system that it didn't you didn't just blow through everyone that was around you. Right. Uh, it's like Splatoon. Like, you give benefits and thus give players goals that they can work toward in the multiplayer other than just the fun of the individual games. Uh, but those goals... The game has a time to kill it in life of, like, half a second or whatever. Yeah. Like, if you give the jump on someone, it doesn't matter if they can run faster than you. Yeah. The... Um... So this is stupid, but the comparison that I drew when playing this game, uh, speaking of there being like a, a minuscule time to kill, mm -hmm. um, I played a lot of Counter-Strike, specifically Counter-Strike Source, uh, which means I was part of the baby generation of people who didn't play real Counter-Strike. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but within Counter-Strike Source, uh, when I purchased that game, uh, it also came with Counter-Strike 1.6, and uh, a game called Counter-Strike Condition Zero, uh, which if you aren't aware of CZ, it was a, I believe, Gearbox-developed single-player mod for uh, Counter-Strike that got sort of picked up by Valve and distributed as a, a retail thing. And it, like, the, you can feel the seeds of what would become the Modern Warfare campaign in a game like that that came out, like, several years prior, where it, it is just, like, the, the, the fragility of life is what is on display in this game. And I, while I don't think they do a particularly good job of emphasizing that in a way that can make, like, a legitimate statement, I do think that the, it makes the gameplay frenetic enough and... Uh, like your accuracy matter enough that it does it scratches a certain itch uh, as far as a single player first person shooter goes yeah. and that in the multiplayer the itch that gets scratched is speed it's a, an itch where every game is really fast everything you're doing is really fast the downtime when you lose is very low uh, and anyone's the chance against anyone because if you manage to 
you know, if you if you're just in the right place at the right time, just like actual war, uh, then you know you can get that kill off, even at, whether you're low or high skilled. And what that, that drapes the ceiling a little bit. Uh, that it gave them the freedom and the mechanics to also have all of these other snowballing kill streak mechanics and yeah. benefits and all the other perks that we talked about before. These are the things that invented the montage highlight reel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And in the in the single player. I find this game's turning point relationship both in how it changed from the previous Call of Duty games, of which I played like three or four when I was a youngin, a okay. youngin man, uh, from how it twisted that kind of like almost memorialized, this is for the soldiers kind of tone into modern warfare, and then the impact that had when it exploded loaded after it tried to like grab that aesthetic instead of the self-serious aesthetic yeah it's uh, that's the reason i wanted to talk about this uh i think specifically that modern warfare all that the legacy that it created through the rest of the game industry has kind of tainted it a little bit in retrospect for example i think in the single player campaign I think the game makes some actually, like, interesting points about war. I don't think Modern Warfare particularly likes war. Kind of like the older Call of Duties that came before it. Right. That's what... It kind of took me by surprise, because I got that vibe as well. Like, the first mission on the boat, you go in, and the NPCs do a lot of the, like, shooting, like, for you. Like, because you're just kind of following them all along. And one of the first things that happens is you go into a bunk and just shoot two sleeping soldiers in the head. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, oh. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm surprised by this, mm-hmm. but I am. The, like, it, it just depicts it, like, very realistically and doesn't really kind of, like, take a slant on it, at least from my perspective. Yeah. I think um, it, it, I, there are a couple of levels that I want to call out specifically. Um because for the most part, the game says... Uh, well, the thing that I think Call of Duty 4 wants to say about war is that death sucks, <laughs> dying is bad, but lots of things that happen are cool, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like there's sort of a dichotomy there, and, and the the issue that I have is that somebody, someone at Infinity Ward... I don't know who they are, <laughs> but I wish them all the best going forward. Yeah. Uh, knows what subtlety is and knows how to like craft an interesting, not narrative, but like a play experience that is actually intri- that doesn't rely on set pieces and doesn't rely on 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 this like breakneck like shoot like aim and shoot action which i assume because i played the game on pc was just statistically way easier for me (laughs) than it was intended to be um but yeah god there's some stuff in here that feels like it's so uh it, it feels like it wants to make that statement about it not liking more but then it also feels like there's lots of stuff in here that makes me want to go like, "War's the dopest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> it's it's the game praises 
the aesthetic of war, the aesthetic of like modern combat and like milsim tactical people. Right. They, and completely buy into that, mostly from a marketing perspective. So you can pull in the kind of people who will see red dot sites and be like, oh, that's fucking sweet. <laughs> uh, but the game makes the really good decision of make of giving off that impression that it doesn't actually have a particularly positive opinion of these kind of conflicts by choosing what to focus on but not commenting on what it's focusing on at all mm-hmm. and it works really well within the set piece structure that this game really started to push forward from the other Call of Duties like when can, it, yeah. it, can we address the elephant in the room then uh, which is death from above yeah uh, I feel like this is like the almost to me is like the landmark level of the game um especially in this sort of like in the read uh, of this where it does want to make a statement and it doesn't want to be like a purely neutral mm-hmm. entity yeah death from above is not a difficult level it's not hard to complete it uh there isn't a whole lot really going on and uh the like everything is very straight laced People aren't yelling for the first time in the whole game. Yeah. And it's sort of like a... It feels terrible to play. It's almost like they're too calm. Like, everyone around you, the other audio that you hear Mm -hmm. going through the level, is just people just be like... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like... Boom, kaboom is yeah. what the guy says over and over again. Yeah, like as if this is like you've taken a, a like a, a boots on the ground crazy war situation where everyone's yelling and everything's frantic and all the other levels, and then you've moved it up to like two guys eating nachos and just like <laughs> ending lives. Yeah, yeah. Like, like totally casually. Yeah, and another one for the highlight reel, like that whole that whole scene, and that that shit like that'll fuck you up. And that's such a good level because of it. This is what I was talking about when, uh, when I'm talking about somebody knowing something about subtlety. Mm-hmm. This level is exactly that, and uh, like I loved it. Like I, it was the spec ops the line of Call of Duty four levels. <laughs> yeah, like it's almost like a documentary in some ways. Now, obviously. Very not realistic war in many ways. But <laughs> what I mean by that, it, it's documentary-like in the way there it tries to present its message by just displaying selective facts and not about like having significant commentary on those facts. Yeah. One thing that I found really effective is that they like put you in a squad and give you a captain who like calls out orders. Like it, it almost kind of feels like a simulation in that way. Right. Where like like I'm like going behind him and I'm like, yeah, I got like waiting for him to tell me what to do and I'm like, this is tense. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. I just have to trust this guy. Yeah. And for like, the most part if you step out of line you 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 well, either you're just dawdling and like you, and nothing happens, or in like a, the more extreme circumstances, if he tells you to do something and you don't do it, you'll just die and have to go back to right, the checkpoint. Yeah. I, I, that was really effective to me. Mm-hmm. Other effective moments, obviously the nuke scene, which I feel like has also been a little bit forgotten in popular like discourse well, about the game. It's because Call of Duty has amped that up like a thousand times since the the initial release of this game like every single call of duty has had a higher and higher stakes moment to the point where in uh modern warfare 2 uh they literally gave you the option to skip a level 
because they presumed it might be too traumatic for people. <laughs> what happened in it? <laughs> it's a, it's no Russian if you've heard that thrown around. It's a level where so. one like your character is undercover and uh, you go through an airport and just murder like okay, like yeah. unarmed civilians. I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of, it did cause controversy, but I feel like it was manufactured controversy. Of course it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, like, that was their big thing. Plus, I think they detonated a nuke in two as well. But the nuke scene in one is... But it was, like, two nukes. My <laughs> <laughs> God. Modern Warfare 2, colon, and nukes with a Z. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but the nuke scene in one isn't unlike no russian and lots of the other bullshit that they kept doing in order to have better marketing reels after mm. they wanted to continue making all the money in the world right repeating this kind of magic of this game the nuke scene has a point in one the nuke scene isn't just there to be like oh shit oh no nuclear oh god an explosion right like it's set up in a context in the story where it was completely avoidable and totally your fault that it happened. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's it set up in such a way where the shock is from how disempowered you are instantaneously and suddenly compared to your entire experience through the rest of the game. Like, in No Russian, you're under no threat whatsoever and you're just murdering people just because, I don't know... I don't even know what message that's supposed to send, frankly. But uh, but there's it, no subtlety in that. Yeah. Yeah. But in the nuke scene in in the original Modern Warfare, it's like it happens in a moment where you're assuming that you're about to be triumphant, that you've like saved the day as a stereotypical American interventionist hero, yeah. and then you literally get blown out of the sky, and right. everything around you is dust. Right. Well, I don't actually. I, I may not have followed the plot of the game enough to to realize this. Yeah. But if, correct me if I'm wrong. But the the nuke detonation is not actually specifically your fault. Just the fact that you died and everyone else on your squad dies. They, it was because like, you go like let we leave no no man behind. Go back for the helicopter pilot. And you're like, but why though? You knew that in the story you knew that they had nukes when they were going in, and that was like the threat. It's like you need to like be an elite soldier and like take out this thing precisely, or there'll be nuclear retaliation. Right? Yeah. And you were aware of the danger, and then you just make a bad decision. Yeah, you're aware of the danger, and you're like, I'm cool enough to do it anyway. And then the level ends telling you that you were wrong. And right? Yeah. With large geopolitical consequences. Yeah, nothing held against you for not really following the story of this game because it's entirely <laughs> presented in like dossiers between the fights that you don't have to pay attention to. I wasn't reading them. I actually didn't realize until like the fifth level that there was like plot specific text. <laughs> like I thought, I think the one that I caught was the one where it was just telling me the like uh, rounds per minute of the different machine guns on the helicopters. And I was like, oh, this is just bullshit I don't care about. Mm-hmm. And then later I was like, Wait, that's a name. Like, I recognize that name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I goofed a bit on that, but... It sounds slightly Russian-y. So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, to kind of segue this into something else, um, we've talked about the fact that this game's, like, ludicrously, was ludicrously popular. Yeah. And we are talking about these things about it that we like. Yeah. But, it was in, I, I don't know this. I've avoided <laughs> Call of Duty... Uh, pretty effectively my whole life. Yeah. Um, but, like, are were those 
the people who really like this game care at all about that stuff? No. Or do they just like the multiplayer? Some people do. Or like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, from the discourse that I've heard, uh, well, actually, the first thing that I ever heard about this game... Um, so, yeah, I was like, w- was that one of the things that made it popular, I guess, is what I'm asking? Yeah, like, what, uh, one of the first things that I ever heard about this game had nothing to do with the multiplayer, and at the time I didn't even realize that there was multiplayer in the game. Uh, given the time that this took place, like, I did own, like, a 360, uh, but, like, my shooter games went about as far as, like, Halo 3, and I was, I was too busy blistering my own fingers trying to become the world's greatest rock band player. Uh, (laughs) but, um, the, the first thing anyone told me about it was the, uh, mission where you play as, ooh, what is his name? Price Gilly Man is that yeah what you okay the uh, with all gillied up yeah uh, but not that one uh, yep I don't know <laughs> uh, I thought I had written down his name I didn't write down his name but yeah the the like your commander throughout the whole game there's a flashback sequence and the mission that I was told about was the one was one shot one kill yeah. the one where you have to like aim a rifle and take into account the the Coriolis effect at this distance is you just have to watch a flag and then shoot and hope that you you guessed right. Uh, it's not like impossibly difficult, but the implication of, of of the mission puts so much on the player's shoulders to just be like, figure this out, dummy. And I'm like, oh god, all I know is hit scan. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Uh, but that's what it was described to me, and I, I don't know. I know people do like these campaigns. I know people who only play the campaigns. What you have to remember, Andy, is that when this game came out, there was zero expectation that right. Call of Duty was a multiplayer franchise. Like, no, uh, Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, it was coming from a pedigree of games in which the single player, like, switching between perspectives in an international conflict was, like, what the game was about and making these, like, cool, semi-realistic, somber presentations of war and glory and all that. So With the, inspirational quotes and yeah. grenade indicators. So it was after this point. Like, it was after the game came out when multiplayer being related to Call of Duty became a thing whatsoever. Like, it was in, like, very little of the marketing in mm-hmm. terms of trying to push that angle. Th- this game was all about the presentation and the tone because that's what you was unique about it. It's It was, the as far as I'm aware, the first, like, huge, big-budget attempt to really a- appeal to, like, milsim crowd in any aesthetic way at, like, a triple-A level. Even, like, Counter-Strike... Had, this is one thing I always found strange about Counter-Strike. Yeah. Why is Counter-Strike's aesthetic like SWAT teams and not the military? <laughs> it's like the police, like even in the old ones. Yeah, no, and they don't even, like, uh, the counter-terrorist teams or whatever, mm-hmm. are, like, none of their outfits ever were, like, even vaguely military. They had, like, the weird face masks and, like, the bulletproof vests yeah. with bright blue on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah it feels very Tom Clancy. Yeah, yeah. I think it was to. I think it was just for ease of recognition, so you didn't think one person was another. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I think Counter Strike Source has done it best through the whole series. Maybe the people working on the game just think SWAT teams are super cool. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> That's possible. What I <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, well, because mil- like military sims as a genre have existed for a long time, mm-hmm. like as like niche PC games. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I feel like people who were into those games would fucking hate this game. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it, it it doesn't make a whole ton of sense most of the time uh, from that perspective, but it does definitely like have that aesthetic that I think people find intriguing about Milsims. Yeah, uh, sleekness. Like, I don't. God, ever. There's just something sexy about black squared aluminum a little bit. Uh, yeah, I can see that, you know? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it really just gets deep into you, black squared aluminum. <laughs> I, I really... I, I can't describe it. I, it might just be like a weird cultural ingrained thing that like 100 years from now people are going to look back and was like, the United States buried this into your psyche. Like, you're being damaged forever. Uh, but... I don't know. Like, I, even I can, like, look at a gun with some sweet shit and be like, oh, man, that shit's pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> well, we also have to, like... Uh, so this is another thing where uh, like a, a level of... Because of the, the console this came out on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it was predominantly successful on the console, like, within the console market. And, the con and especially in the Xbox 360, was targeted at... Uh, basically these young men and the amount of weapon fetishism present in this game is mm -hmm. like I mean it's not like absurd like it's not the most crazy that I've ever seen No, but they, they took a lot of care to make sure the weapons were like modeled accurately and more importantly they never get a fucking scratch on them like <laughs> they're flawless weapons from the moment you pick them up whereas like if you compare it to something like uh, like say Goldeneye, right? Where the weapons were designed in a way that is specific and they're functional and they're there to fulfill a mechanical purpose. And then look at something like Far Cry 2 where the weapons are specifically designed to look like shit. Uh, so that you know when you pick it up that the weapon could be garbage and, and ruin your run. So uh, when you... Compare like the aesthetics of the three games. Modern Warfare is the one that clearly said like we love these guns. Please check out these cool guns. <laughs> check out my guns. Check these out guns these guns. Are sweet. Do you have your tickets to the gun show <laughs> hosted by Infinity Ward? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a really great way for them to have their cake and eat it too. And in some ways, even kind of really subtly try and present these kind of like this anti-war post 9-11 sort of discomfort with the whole situation to exactly the audience that you kind of want to present that to. Fair. Yeah. Like, I, I think they did, a, they did a relatively good job in that respect. The problem was that after this point, the amount of money that they made from doing that made them realize that appealing to that market was way more important than kind of like <laughs> subtle, abstract, artistic messages about war. Right. Uh, and we're just like, oh man, how can we put more guns in this? How can we get more people who care about guns to put more time into this thing with it's full of guns? Well, that was always, because uh, prior to the like Infinity Ward split, uh, the primary competitor with Call of Duty was Medal of Honor. Yeah, and they're both they're they're hilariously similar games mm -hmm. to the point where it's almost difficult to tell which game you were playing <laughs> when playing one of the two games, uh, like pre two thousand seven. Yep. Um, and, like, obviously, like, taking it to Modern Warfare made this game explode, and I feel like probably a lot of people, people who were born, uh, like, in the in the very late 90s or in the early 2000s, probably do know about Call of Duty, and probably maybe have even played Modern Warfare, uh, 
probably don't know what Medal of Honor is. Yeah. Like, this game just eclipsed it, even though they had exactly the same tone and message and everything mm-hmm. prior to this game existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really nailed the marketing uh, for this entry. No zombies, though. <laughs> Cod. Cod? Cod, Cod zombies? Cod zombies. Hell yeah! <laughs> What a turn to the dark side, man. Not that it was very light to begin with. It's not like a turn from light to dark. It's a turn from, like, neutral. Brown? Like, neutral <laughs> good to, to yeah, yeah, brown to dark. But, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's arguably true. I mean, to further emphasize the point, the fact that one of the, the like, Splinter series mm-hmm. of this game was called Black Ops, and then there was Ghosts. I don't know if that one's, like, Black Ops... Related, uh, one of them's in Vietnam. I think Ghost is the one that's set at, in like an alternate future where like the Nazis like won and took over part of the U.S. This is what I love. This is I actually because I've been pushing to do Modern Warfare for like three years. Like yeah. I wanted to do this for the podcast really badly. I wonder who was resisting <laughs> that one. Uh, but like literally since that that. That decision where I was like, I want to do Modern Warfare because it was like an influential game. Yeah. I so want to play the campaigns of like Infinite Warfare where you go to goddamn space and like, yeah, like far, f- like alternate future Nazi <laughs> Call of Duty. Like when this game goes crazy, I don't even know what it would be like. Like, why don't you just. Like... It's like if you turned on an episode of The Golden Girls and, like, somebody stepped out of a portal <laughs> and was just like, we gotta go. And, like, for some reason, this thing that you totally thought you had nailed down became, like, an action thriller. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me that these exist. Uh, but I love it. Yeah. Like, I love its existence. I might hate the game. <laughs> Can't you just save yourself some time and just, like, watch Transformers 4? <laughs> How many of those movies are there? Uh, at uh, least four. five of them, I think. I don't know. Oh, no. I think the the fourth now. one was the one with the Dinobots, <laughs> and then the fifth one was the one that just came out, like, last year, I that think. has no distinguishing features we're aware of. Uh, some, they, it, was, they, it was based on, like, an arc from the cartoon people liked. They keep doing, like, just, like, something to get people mildly interested. Because <laughs> that's what you need to get people to watch a Transformers Yeah, movie. apparently. Yeah. I'm curious, actually... Okay, hold on. Because yes. this game is pr- predominantly a mechanical exercise, yes. I feel like we could probably get a somewhat meaty conversation out of that. Yeah, I agree. On the return from the break. I agree. Uh, are there things related to narrative... Uh, that we want to mention it all before. How did the um, intro scene with you in the car, uh, so not like the actual intro, but like that mid-intro intro? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, play out for you guys. Like, did Because I knew about it before, and so it kind of like damaged my uh, actual perception of it while playing it. Mm-hmm. But I always did think it was a good concept that they put your character in a car and then you just get shot immediately as you like slowly figure out who you are and why you're doing the things that you're doing. Yeah. And I, I always thought that was excellent. Yeah, I agree. It was a, a way for them... Because this was the first Call of Duty where they were trying to push something resembling a narrative that 
players either could couldn't ignore or uh, had weren't already aware of. Like what mm-hmm. I mean by that is is in all the previous games when they were dealing with World War Two, they were dealing with different fronts of World War Two and switching back and forth between them. Right. And literally everyone knows the story of World War Two. <laughs> like it's actually like taught to us by the government. Like we were like <laughs> we were put into rooms and we were told that story. Uh <laughs> but in this game, they actually had to try and create different geopolitical states since they were going into the modern day. They had to make up new countries. They, you know, they had to go further and actually kind of branch out in terms of the writing for the game. So they had to think of ways where they could, within the context of a first-person shooter, where they could force someone to care about a geopolitical narrative. Because most shooter games, when you're forced into a first-person perspective, are pretty personal experiences. Like, probably the most famous narrative-related shooter, Half-Life, is a game that's mostly about, like, people in spaces. Like, there are lots of individual actors and a lot of good tone setting, but, like, you don't go into Half-Life and attempt to tell a story about, like, the Combine's, like, movements of troops across a particular, like, nation-state. Right. But that's what they had to do if they wanted to reflect modern warfare. Yeah. So uh, they did this opening scene, which forced you into an underground perspective. Like, you are the person who was killed. Like, you're, it forces you to care about these kind of abstract things that for most people in real life kind of just fall into the background noise of the news, yeah. like all international news. So they were like, how do we make you care? Why don't we shoot you in the face? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good way <laughs> to force things up. And you're going through the car, and, like, you can look left and right, and you can see all the horrors being committed. It was, it was a pretty good solution to a pretty hard problem. So I, I do like that scene. Yeah, I also knew about the scene ahead of time because um, this game's like almost ten years old. <laughs> it's eleven years old. I mean, it is over ten years old. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I I do think it is effective. Like it establishes that the fact that the game's not pro war, I think, pretty uh, pretty well. Yeah. And it 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 goes on just long enough for it to kind of wave over you, like what's going on. So I think it's pretty effective, and I just kind of appreciated the amount of, like, effort that went into, like, the set pieces in the narrative. Like, there was a lot more emphasis on that than I expected. Yeah. Can we give them praise on the one thing that they have always done good, including in the bad games that exist now? Right. Which is just the artistic design of, like, shelled-out destroyed spaces. (laughs) Like, they're so pretty. Like, so, like... The game... How old is this game? This 11 game years old. Is so Third time it's <laughs> <laughs> Like, everything in this game is still so pretty. They, they make, like... Everyone makes fun of, like, the browns and the grays of modern destroyed atmosphere. Like, the Gears of War color palette that last console generation kind of overtook so many things. But this game really has, like, a selective use of color that bridges the gap between realistic depiction and just, like, pure photography perfection. That I... I, Like, it's so good. The screenshots of this game are so good. And the way that... Because it's so linear, the way that you're forcibly framed into these three-dimensional spaces that are all active and moving independently of you. Like, I have nothing for praise about the set design of where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. I would kind of, I think it's more just like a personal preference thing, but push back against that a little. I think what's really strong is the level design, is I think they take that kind of limited concept of like Afghanistan city streets and like actually make some interesting 
like levels out of it but and obviously the art is like our direction's done by actual artists and is competent and good but like i i find it very visually uninteresting and would not describe it as pretty in any way personally there, there are so many shifts though like i, I it's just, true there was more variety than i expected but i just watched you go through the like night vision crazy line level right like, that's a, it's a great example of what i'm talking about where they're depicting something real that all of us have a touchstone for in terms of watching like like military footage uh, but it has tons of visual flash, looks cool, is still functional in gameplay thanks to those little lasered lines, whatever they are. I don't right. know if they have names. I bet L- they have names. Lazy sight or something yeah. like that? Whatever. whatever something. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, they, they married functionality in gameplay, variety in palette, uh, and realistic depiction of what they're trying to show in some mm-hmm. approximation of realism. Yeah, I mean, they do a lot with what they're what they have, for sure. Yeah. But... I don't know. Yeah, that uh, the approximation of realism is really because I think, uh, man, I, I I'm trying not to go off uh, too far from from topic, but I, I agree that they do a good job with the uh, like, you know, Middle Eastern city uh, bombed out atmosphere, like because it's the type of thing that has like taken hold so much. Uh, like as a cultural thing, especially on that 360 era, it it's something that you see a ton, and they obviously put a lot of care into making it good. Whereas people who were trying to sort of siphon off players from this game just did it again, yeah, and they probably didn't put as much care into it. The only thing, the only game that I would like to call out for doing an arguably even better job of it is. Uh, Serious Sam 3. Oh, come on. Which has literally a level at the beginning that is supposed to be like a parody of Modern Warfare. And like, because the first weapons you get are like a pistol and you can aim down the sights and like a, an assault rifle. And then at some point, like an, uh, um, uh, an alien mothership just like rolls over and dumps like a thousand monsters on you and you pick up a rocket launcher that doesn't have to reload. And it goes like, yo, fuck that game! And then you just like <laughs> blow everything up and you're like, yeah, you rip guys' eyeballs out. It's weird. <laughs> but they took so, like the attention to detail in creating that opening city is is just fucking incredible. Mm. And it was only like two years after this game came out, so... Yeah, I see. Yeah. I just... I agree with what you said. I also agree. Agreement <laughs> is found. Commencing break. <laughs> is that what our, our theme song would sound like if it existed and then was reversed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now we have to reverse it to see what that sounds see like. What the sa- yeah, all right. Yeah. Here we go. Here's what it sounds like. <laughs> Thing for us. We're going deep, and we're going hard. The weak man may be careful not to soil himself in the place this game. 
the mind in time you'll find my lines combining the twine what was Hulk Hogan's alter ego character oh Mr. America Mr. America (laughs) (laughs) I want him on that there's a whole thing in professional wrestling where Hulk Hogan (laughs) was like banned from uh, WWE but like not really but really but not really yeah in the script and so uh, a new wrestler entered the fray by the name of Mr. America, who wore a mask that covered approximately 0% of his face, <laughs> and it was just fucking Hulk Hogan the whole time. And there's this amazing <laughs> clip of Ed McMahon giving him a, a lie detector test, <laughs> and we're like, are you Hulk Hogan? And he's just like, fuck you! And it's like, uh, not a lie! <laughs> and like, him just getting progressively angrier. And then they make some dick jokes, and it's really good. I love professional like, wrestling. I, wanna, I, I hate know, professional wrestling, yeah. but I hate and love it <laughs> a lot. I want to know how long they kept that going. It's like it's it was just, more than a year. Yes, yeah, it's so goofy. <laughs> I feel like a conversation about professional wrestling is the perfect way to tell everybody, "Welcome back." To talking about Call of Duty for Modern Warfare. <laughs> uh, the professional wrestling of video games. Indeed. Um, so, uh, as we alluded to before, uh, I think that our discussion of, of the, the themes and the tone and the story of this game have largely concluded, and we're moving on to what most people probably remember about the game, which is shooting guys, shooting guys. Um... So, I have a couple of notes that are incredibly pedantic about the mechanics uh-huh. um, that I'm sure that we'll, I'll bring up in a way that is not jarring at all. Good. Uh, but, at its heart, this game is, is a first-person shooter of the sort before, like, cover shooters and, uh, like, third-person mechanics really took hold in the genre. Yeah. Or really anything to make movement and traversal interesting at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels... It's, it's, its lineage can be traced back to a Doom, and uh, whereas, like, other, you know, big shooters at the time, things like Gears of War really cannot. It also has that infuriatingly weird two-weapon limit thing, um, which I feel like... I don't understand where... Like, I understand kind of where it comes from from a balancing perspective, but then there are things in this game, like the what, the javelin, uh, that I don't understand why they don't just let you take it as a third weapon, because it's used in such specific situations, and then as soon as you're done with it, you have to, like, scramble to find a weapon on the ground, yeah. and I really hated that. Conservation of UI. Correct me if I'm wrong here, because this is one of those things where there could just be like a, some crazy niche, super early example that I don't know of. I think the weapon wheel didn't exist at the time COD Four was made. <laughs> like I, I literally, unless I'm vastly mistaken here, I don't think anyone had come up with the solution yet of like how do you let people on a console quickly switch between multiple options in a list, like in gameplay feels like it can't be right, though. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It feels eternal, but I can't think of an example. Like, because this came out in 2007, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about, none of the Halos had that? Nope. Yeah, Halos had a two-weapon limit as yep. well. 
Because hmm. that was because that was the limitation of the two weapons. Not only was it you didn't have to create any kind of UI for it if you just have a one weapon switch button, it it allowed everyone immediately to have control over exactly the weapon they needed to. Uh, you said weapon wheel, and for some reason it made me think of Twilight Princess, which has a item wheel. That's where they got the idea from. Because <laughs> that came out in 2006. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that actually, as far as I'm concerned, that counts uh, as far as like a predecessor. It's not as specific, so I'll also let your point slide. Mm-hmm. The thing that came to mind for me was Metal Gear Solid. Uh, which has its like L-shaped menus. Mm. It's not as intuitive as a weapon wheel would be. No, um, but it is. It is that solution where Solid Snake inexplicably carries three thousand weapons on it at one time, and you can just sort of cycle between them. Yeah, but that kind of solution it requires way too much mental processing power for the audience and the tone that this game now, is going for. Was this yeah. primarily designed as a console game? It almost assuredly was, yeah. Okay, yeah, well then, that makes sense. Because on a keyboard, you could, wouldn't yeah. have the issue. At launch, I don't even think, I don't think PC existed at launch for this game. I think it was ported like over port- later. Uh, if it was, it was not long after. The Wikipedia article states all three came out in 2007. Yeah, I and think And in it... November, in fact, so if it, oh, okay. if it was the, if that was the case, then it would have had to have been Fine, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, this was... Flight Club to the Cod, primarily designed for console okay. Medal of Honor was more PCE, if I remember correctly. Yeah, P- uh, Medal of Honor is like extremely a PC game, uh, and I think won a lot of people over in its earlier installments over the Call of Duty series mm-hmm. specifically because of that, because the PC was just where you went for shooters, unless you owned a N64 and then you played just Goldeneye, and that's the only one. In a rare moment of no clip awareness we were doing the exact podcast thing where we're like oh let's speculate about demonstrable facts anyone can look up (laughs) (laughs) i mean if the demonstrable fact that we're speculating on is was there no weapon wheel i think that that is just incorrect i feel like there's no way that some iteration of the weapon wheel did not exist i'm gonna google this there's gotta be like a is there like a weapon wheel the, like we- the weapon wheel wiki. <laughs> the wheel wiki. www.www.com. <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, I will continue finding. There's a podcast called Weapon Wheel, which I'm full, uh, I'm sure is full of cool name. people. That's actually a, that's a real good name. Go yeah. listen to Weapon Wheel. Stop listening to us. <laughs> Give us a zero star. But what rating. if they're terrible? <laughs> oh. Anyway, do that thing. Um. Modern Warfare. What about it? Oh, he was just oh. getting his back on track. Oh, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Modern Warfare. Right. Um, but, all of this said, uh, the, the, the actual shooting mechanics in this game have this weird tendency to range wildly between extremely satisfying and, like, Horrible and the worst thing in the whole world. And I think it has to do with the fact that it telegraphs almost no information about the what the weapon you're carrying is actually capable of. Because mm-hmm. you can make really obvious assumptions, like, I have a shotgun. I probably can't kill that guy on the roof. Uh, <laughs> but your shotgun can kill a guy from, like, probably... 15 to 20 feet away, which is further than most shotguns in games, mm-hmm. and is more accurate to reality. Uh, 
But then you have like a host of probably like 37,000 different automatic rifles, all of which I have no idea what their like respective stats are. So I would just grab them and then fire a clip wildly into the air hoping to hit people with it. I don't know. I don't know if everybody else even gave a shit, but I always try and come up with like optimal weapon loadouts. And yeah, I always my go-to was the whatever rifle had the scope. Yeah. Because basically every other rifle just felt like shit in comparison. <laughs> That's one thing that they actually do do. Uh, that I, A lot of games do this. Uh, shooters, that is. Where you make a trade-off between your cool, awesome, advanced American rifle and, like, the shitty, like, AK-47 that you found <laughs> on the ground that's worse in every way, but it's a lot easier to get bullets for. Right. From a gameplay perspective, I do like that as, like, a genuine trade-off because it makes your cool rifle, like, your, like, secret super ability that you bring out in desperate <laughs> situations. Right. And you try With and... the noob tube. Right. It, it, it also balances out, the, like, the combat situations a little bit where... Uh, it playing optimally creates situations that are actually most of the time a little bit harder for you. Kind of in the same way that like people are super resistant to use potions in RPGs. Right. You like try really hard to conserve your special cool weapons in these games, and you you can't have too many of those special cool ammunition in a game with two weapon slots. So. Yeah. Uh, well, you have two weapon slots, but you also have like thirty-seven different kinds of tools for some reason, and it is like baffling because, like, on the PC, it's mapped to basically buttons one through nine. Or I'm sure it doesn't ever go that far, but at least up to six get used. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anytime that they'd be like, "You're like calling a drone strike," I'd be like. Uh, and, you know, like, put away my shotgun and, like, pull out a claymore, and I'm like, that's not right, hold on. And put it back, and I, the, the airstrike comes in, I go to switch back to my weapon, and I've got, like, C4 in my hand, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, someone help. <laughs> like, this is really hard, for no reason. Uh, and then you have two different kinds of grenades, and then you can carry two weapons. Which, at that point, I feel like, why not just let him carry more weapons, because mm. he's got everything else on the planet with him. At the time. Um, but I never really tried to conserve my ammo in this game, which was weird. Uh, because I totally am that guy, especially in like a Halo game. Uh, but I am super not in this game for whatever reason. I don't know if you recall, there's a, a level where you're going, you like land and then you go up a hill and there's a bunch of houses in a village and you have to just like eliminate, you have to search all the houses for someone. And on the way up the hill, I came across a house where some people started coming out the doors. So I just posted up and just shot all of them with a sniper rifle. And I feel like there's, like, some scripted sequence where an unlimited number of people just kept coming out of the door (laughs) until I got to a certain distance. Mm -hmm. I noticed that, too. It's weird. And when I finally did get to that distance, I approached a pile of bodies that was, like, nearly traumatic to look at. (laughs) Yeah. I ran into a couple of circumstances where I would, like, be, like, you know, camped down in a spot and just, like, shooting all the guys that were coming. And then, like, it would just stop. And, like, nothing would happen. Like, no one would go forward or nothing else would happen until I moved forward to a certain spot. Like, there's a that's that was really noticeable in this game. Like, there were, like, trigger points for things to happen. Yeah, like, very obvious triggers. And it was, it was really strange. 
And it, I think because of those, I always found myself most comfortable with the shotguns because I could literally just walk forward and just whenever somebody showed up, blast them and just keep <laughs> moving. And he would just bypass all of the like set scripted events as you just like <laughs> shot every individual person in a row mm-hmm. and occasionally throw a flash grenade. Yeah, and also... I actually thought that there was just unlimited ammo for a while. Like, I, for some reason, just didn't notice, like, the the UI element that showed you your ammo at all. Yeah. Well, and they always start you with a weapon that has, like, crazy oh, I, amounts of yeah. ammo. Yeah. And then, like, you, I, I just kept picking new guns up, and, like, I just never even thought about it. Yeah. I do appreciate the ammo limit to a certain extent. I mean, in the same way that this works, the amount that this is like Halo is actually kind of shocking considering how different they are, like, aesthetically and even mechanically to some extent. But, like, all of the gun interaction works in almost the same way with the difference of Call of Duty having, like, hundreds of guns that are all realistic and Halo having, like, two guns that are realistic and that barely even counts as realistic because it's like a future setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, because the, the same kind of thing always happened to me in those games where I would just kind of not pay attention to my ammo count unless it was like a weapon like the fuel rod cannon that they purposefully give you like three shots for. Uh, in this game, that version was like, you would get like an RPG. Yeah. It would be bad. So, so fuck you. The, the only like shooters I've ever really played were like time splitters as a kid and then we played doom and if you want to count splatoon um <laughs> you have to count Splatoon. yeah i know i'm How just saying, I'm just saying like that's How like that's like, a, that's like a third person game you know yeah so um i was wondering i was wondering while i was playing this whether or not like this game was like influential in the way it like controlled or anything or like groundbreaking in any way because when i sat down to play it it felt like it controlled exactly how I expected it to, and it's 11 years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, as I didn't know if, like, this, like, did something that, like, everyone else copied or anything. I can't speak for the console side of things, mm-hmm. but PC games have been basically leaning on players to just know what to do in a first-person shooter that they just don't change the controls. Yeah. Like, everything pretty much since the dawn of time. Uh, <laughs> on the eighth day, God said, alright, now you press R to reload, and either E or F is gonna be your action key, but I'm still, I'm groggy from waking up. Uh, like, every, like, literally every game is WASD to move, space to jump, R to reload, mouse to look. Left click shoots, right click alternate fire. Like the fact that I can ramble off the controls and have it be accurate to 15 different games yeah. or more, and by or more I mean literally hundreds more, mm-hmm. is just a testament to how like solid these controls have been in, in, in the history. This game didn't create any kind of like crazy mechanical step ups that were copied. This game is part of the stream of games copying the same mechanics for god at least in the console space like since halo 2 probably after halo spent a little bit of time optimizing even their own controls mm-hmm. uh but yeah it's it, it controls exactly how you expect it to everywhere else because that's not what they're trying to do as part of the reason they focus on aesthetics so much in set pieces mm-hmm. is because the actual meat of the gameplay like 
this play, this Call of Duty Four played identical to, to all the other CODs I've played. Roughly, all the main differences were aesthetic differences or weird set pieces, but all the mechanical interaction is roughly the same. You're still just pointing at a thing and shooting at the thing. There's not a lot of choices. Like I think Halo is a good contrast point to that, where Halo makes because they're in the sci-fi setting and they have so much freedom, makes a lot of intentional choices in the enemy design and the setup of the, the actual conflicts you're encountering mm-hmm. to force like actual saying actual thought seems a bit mean but uh, <laughs> like like in Halo there are enemies with shields that are hidden around the map with sniper right. rifles and you have to like make decisions about like how am I going to get around the situation uh, and in Call of Duty like that's not genuinely what they're prioritizing what they're prioritizing is you constantly moving forward tension in terms of uh, things that are always in your face. It's not like there's never a puzzle to unravel. Mm -hmm. There's always just things to react to. And that's a lot harder to do with like a realistic art style. Yeah. Because like you can't have just like the shield guy. (laughs) (laughs) What? Because actually that's uh, talking about this is actually such a good fucking point that you bring up about uh, just like games and how their mechanics being so similar, you have to pick these certain things to differentiate them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, like you said, Halo has the jackals, which are the shield guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also map that basically one to one with uh, something like uh, Rainbow Six. Yeah, right. So Rainbow Six is is one that is heavily into. It's a much more cerebral shooter, and the way that they balance that is, you know, comparatively make your character less tanky, like you can take fewer shots, and the enemy variety is something that's way more akin to what Doom was when it invented the genre and said, like, this is the person who you have a strategy for, and this is a different strategy for a different enemy. Yeah. And uh, Call of Duty is so heavily rooted in what is, like, the twitchy reaction thing that became, like, arena shooters and these, like, basically skill shot based sort of uh, tests of reflexes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it almost feels like it's a subgenre within a genre that feels very samey, especially during this era. Yeah, there aren't a lot of people doing a lot of new things to shooters between like 2004 and 2010. Yeah, essentially, they've picked a mechanic set that's been time tested for 10 years before this game 10 years ago. And have invested and know that if you just, like, create a solid, polished, base mechanical experience and only implement gameplay variety in, like, the cheapest, easiest to implement ways possible, press X to to Y, uh, you can minimize the amount of time that you spend on those kind of, like, grand reimaginings, like the scenarios in Rainbow Six or the weird enemy designs in Halo, and can instead throw billions of dollars into making everything beautiful and unique and standing out at, you know, not the box office, but, you know what I mean, at the GameStop. <laughs> the GameStop. Yeah. 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 Not anymore. <laughs> the, uh... The Babbages, perhaps. Babbages. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. Um, no, and and that and that emphasizes why levels like uh, Death from Above and All Gilded Up stand out so much because they are the levels that actually take a, a mechanical turn. Yeah. They make you do something different. And uh, All Gilded Up, in particular, is basically like a movie yeah. because all you're doing, you you. Playing that level optimally, you take about three shots. Yeah. 
and the rest of it is just you sort of crouching around. And that, honestly, like, the scene, there's no real difficulty to it. Yeah. But the scene where, like, the whole army marches over you and you just have to stay hidden, genuinely tense, genuinely very cool, genuinely distracted me from how bad the ground texture was, (laughs) despite the fact I was looking directly at it the whole time. Uh, Just really good uh, design, like, of of a way to take that mechanic set and put it there, but I feel like somebody said, we can't do more of this, players are going to get bored. And so the next level involves, like, a, a scene where you're, like, sprinting through, like, a city street mm-hmm. and just, like, fighting off dogs that are attacking you, and it's just bonkers. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that, you know, everyone, it's, everyone knows about Call of Duty, and thus everyone has some, certainly everyone who's been listening to this podcast, has some kind of familiarity with the criticism and like popular discourse about Call of Duty and that means everyone already knows that like you're not allowed to be bored is like the number one like since Modern Warfare right absolute staple of not just this whole series but all series that are trying to co- that trying to copy it or ape it in some way you are always doing a thing always there's no that's why all their story is forced into these like weird uh, not overtures but like the, the intro sections. So you don't have to worry about, like, listening or, like, looking at something or waiting or being on an elevator. Not none of that. Just absolutely just go. Just continue to move. Right. They put dialogue over the loading screens. They put, like, text flying everywhere. Yeah. So that, like, even the text isn't bored. Yeah. Like, the text <laughs> is energetic and has to fly everywhere. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's such a strange... Uh, I don't know. Like I have to, I had to take breaks from this game. Yeah. Because it was just too like the. It wasn't even like adrenaline. It was just like my eyes needed to stop darting left and right mm-hmm. for long enough for me to like regain consciousness. Like compare this to Doom twenty sixteen. I I've been comparing this to Doom twenty sixteen since we started talking about it. I don't know if you've you're I aware. In this way, Chad. In this way, cheese. Cheese. That game has quite really moment. good. Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> had quiet moments. That game had times where you'd clear an area and things would just stop. And you would just, like, move on to the next zone or, like, look around for secrets or your shield power-ups and all that stuff. Like, this game is faster than Doom. All of these games are faster <laughs> than Doom. Yeah. Uh, mechanically speaking, they just don't accent the speed as much. They, you know, There's no up or down. There's just up. There's only up. Yeah, Doom has more, like, le- I guess just level design. Yeah. Like, it, it, it plays itself out more like a level rather than a, a, a hallway. And Doom's trailer is something that focuses on, like, it opens with somebody shooting a demon in the face and then proceeds to just escalate that and then ends with the logo on fire while more gunshots are heard in the background. (laughs) But there's quiet moments in that game, whereas, like, a Call of Duty trailer has a similar sense of pacing but could just be a vertical slice from the game. Yeah. It's like, here's three minutes of uninterrupted gameplay and it is ready-made to be a trailer for the game. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I kind of like it, honestly, but I don't... It doesn't kill the game for me no. but man oh man when they get when they get to actually slow things down does this game actually shine it if you're making a video game 
for people who are only ever going to play your game for an hour at a time anyway, mm-hmm. you don't, likely don't need to build in that many natural, like, to, like cool down moments in the gameplay. Right. Like, the, you, you don't have to create that expectation if, you know, Daddy Milsim or whoever that man is, you know, the 40-year-old guy who plays this game. <laughs> if he's, like, if he's just going to put it down after 40 minutes because he needs to, like, let the dog out, then... Yeah. yeah, yeah, like it's designed to play like one level at a time or something, yeah. almost. Yeah. Potato chips. Mm-hmm. While we're on the subject of the mechanics and how they can hyper polish uh, all of the like actual shooting mechanics mm-hmm. into a way into like just like the most streamlined version, I'd like to call out a particular instance where they fucked it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, Chad. Uh, Do you ever crouch in this game? Occasionally. Oh, I hate it so much. Actually, it might work better on the on on a controller. Like this actually seems like it might make more sense thinking about it. But you, if you wanted to crouch and then stand up, you have to press two different buttons, and I fucking hate it. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, there's a button to crouch, and then there's a button to go prone, and then there's a button to stand up, and that button is also your jump button. So in order to do a maneuver that is like not even a thing you think about in another game other than does this game use C or control for crouch <laughs> you have to be like there are so many times when I just be like walking around just like and then hunker down or whatever and then just sit there for a second while I'm like instinctively mashing on the control key and not being able to stand up. It's completely asinine. And there's another setting. Like, there's even settings, control settings in this game. Specifically for crouching. To change it from toggle to hold. Which makes it worse somehow. <laughs> because now you have to think about also holding down a key the whole time you want to remain crouched. And there's, like, kind of a half-assed stealth system in the game. So you do want to be crouched sometimes. Oh, it infuriates me to no end. Why can nobody figure out fucking crouching? <laughs> yeah, that bothered me too, because I, I also, yeah, you would hit the space bar to, like, get out of the crouch, and I felt like I was doing it wrong. <laughs> like, every time, I'm like, there's got to be another way to get out of the crouch, but there is this one is the way, way that I know. <laughs> there's one other way, which is to just go into a dead sprint. Oh, it is run yeah which is even worse because if you actually are trying to be stealthy suddenly you're running and it ruins everything and it's a personal problem but i kept hitting uh control when i wanted to hit shift yeah so crouching when i wanted to run god god you're ruining your cred just all this cred is being (laughs) in front of i've always had trouble typing like with keys you're supposed to hit with your pinky so that's just like a thing yeah for me i mean i feel like that's a that's a common problem like i remember it like if you see pictures of kids in the 90s playing video games all of them have the fucking windows key oh. popped off of their keyboards so you don't accidentally minimize the window <laughs> also we all know that i have no shooter cred already i'm not trying to hide it. yeah no. no no cred was at risk here <laughs> yeah he just said, I played Time Splitters and then Doom. Which, 2016. Yeah, which is like a, <laughs> just like a 15 year gap. I don't think. Oh, and yeah. Overwatch. Forgot to mention that. You did yeah, play Overwatch. Overwatch. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Fuck Overwatch. <laughs> whatever. Call of Duty's the new shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, have, I have one other stupid thing. 
Okay. I love it, though. Yeah. Like, a lot. Okay. Um, during those few quiet moments, you ever listen for your footsteps? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you only hear them sometimes. <laughs> I was playing with headphones on, too, so it's not like a it was a stereo separation issue. Your character takes four steps for every one footstep sound effect that occurs when walking. So... <laughs> So, which, in my mind, has this hilarious image of your character doing, like, a cartoon stealth walk, where he's, like, stretching his leg way out <laughs> time. And it, like, the moment I noticed it, I could never stop hearing it. So it was the whole game of me just being like, man, this guy's got some long legs. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> I'm glad your protagonist was heading downtown, Chad. <laughs> Should write a letter to the audio engineer hey, or, really? or whoever uh, is in <laughs> you, charge of that. You owe me some more footstep sound effects. <laughs> At least three. I caught you cutting corners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, another weird thing I noticed. Good. Uh, in that opening scene where you're in the car... <laughs> Yes, Andy. <laughs> the guy in the driver's seat's like talking the whole time, right? And he's like moving his head around. <laughs> and I noticed you look at the rear view mirror, the texture is just like a picture of his face that does not move at all. <laughs> it's just like his eyes, too, which is yeah. so good. Like, like, yeah, like he's looking at you in the mirror. That's just what it is. And it never changes. <laughs> and that's another thing I just could not stop looking at. <laughs> Um, maybe he just does that for the intimidation factor. Maybe it's not a rearview mirror. Oh, yeah, it's just a, an actual picture. It's of a photograph of his face that he just put over the rearview mirror. It's like a Big Brother situation. To be fair, that whole sequence, like, you're never going faster than, like, six miles an hour. I doubt you need to be checking the mirrors yeah, to make sure you're, uh, the people aren't coming up behind you. Yeah, but is that, like, the only car that's even there? It's like Afghanistan, right? Yeah. They have, like, I don't know, sheep. Well, in that, that scene, which I didn't mention, I just want to briefly, probably the best thing about that whole scene is the fact that there are, like, people around. Yeah, oh yeah. And the people are, like, reacting, and obviously it's all scripted and it's pre-programmed and you can't interact with it in any way. Looks so fucking good with all those people. But then, all you can focus on is a pair of eyes <laughs> just glaring at you from the rear view. Never looking down at the road. <laughs> He's got it all memorized. Never blinking. <laughs> Good. So unless you had any, like, amusing uh, audio-visual glitches you wanted to get into, <laughs> do we have final thoughts? We've been through how absolutely run-of-the-mill that this game is mechanically and how much it works to try and make sure that there aren't you know, hiccups in that process if you're going through that very time-tested mechanic set so they can focus their attention elsewhere. I hope how completely normal the mechanic set of this game is brings into relief why we like shooters so much that are not this game. Like, <laughs> like we, when every single game was attempting to get a piece of the pie that was Call of Duty 4... And you can predict exactly the controls for every game that you play in advance 
and when all of them have a vested interest to try and make sure that they don't branch out their design so that they can keep things grounded, gritty, and real, which means you one like a few bullets will just kill anyone you look at. Right. Seeing something like Doom 2016 or like, I don't know, like the Serious Sams or like Splatoon where a lot of specific effort was put in to just removing every assumption about it that wasn't a video game. Right. Like, that's why that's so refreshing to us. And at least in my case specifically, that's why I love games that mix that up so much is because we had a decade of every game trying to be some approximation of this. And because this game was putting its mechanic set secondary to its presentation, that means we had a decade of games not prioritizing themselves as games. It was a it was a rough time. It was a rough time. We did have Halo though. I know, and Halo is good. Yeah. Halo is wonderful. Halo made And it also came out before this. Yeah. Well, you know, that is true. Yeah. But I'm just saying during that period, yeah. Halo yep. games were still coming out and they were still good. They were. They were. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, games. <laughs> I don't even really know what to say. <laughs> um, I know if I would have played this game when it came out, I would have fucking hated it. Oh, for sure. Um, but playing it now, um, I I can't really. Uh, it's like a quality made game. It's just everything that like it cares about and like wants to do is something I find unappealing. Uh, <laughs> like I I really don't like that like modern warfare aesthetic you know like afghanistan in the desert modern military uniforms all earth tones it just it just does not do anything for me and on top of that i've never really engaged that much with shooter mechanics like i don't i've never even like touched a bow in like skyrim or like magic like i just range combat in games doesn't really do anything for me pointing and clicking at a thing not my thing um personally so this game has the deck completely stacked against it in in my <laughs> book but uh it i mean like i said i can acknowledge that it is like well made though but i don't really have much nuance to say about it because i'm me yeah <laughs> no uh i mean realistically you're you're spot on the game spectacularly doesn't hold up uh, over time because it was never meant to. It, it's a game that was meant to be consumed at the time and it blew the doors off of people who wanted something to play that looked crazy and had them shooting stuff a lot. Especially for console players. Uh, because, I mean, this game gave love to console players who were shooter fans that just didn't really exist uh it it brought a lot more of the genre to uh that user base yeah uh additionally as somebody that is me and not andy or jj there's something inherently satisfying to me about just like looking at a dude with a single shot rifle and just like popping a sick headshot and being like, "Ooh, I'm a dope gamer, hell yeah!" I hate you. Uh, <laughs> but lest I somehow manage to surprise anyone, the game is not that fucking enjoyable in the in the long run. It's something that as that I don't need to reiterate is well presented and then 
just bog standard from that point on. Um, in order to, to give at least some kind of a surprise and something that I think people will uh, not like me very much for, uh, is that having played this game now and take the amount of time since its release uh, into account when I say this, uh, I liked this game significantly less than The Order 1886, which is a game that was, like, widely panned across the board. I'm not going there. And and Modern Warfare is a game that everyone loved when it came out. A game that was technically worse is just so much more interesting than it. (laughs) And I feel like there's a line there that they just didn't, they just ignored. That's my... That, that's really the thing. I feel like this game had the the prowess to exceed in different areas and said, fuck them all, we exceed in one area and we exceed in it with flying colors and aeroplanes and bombs. All of the flying things. Yeah. The flying colors of red, and, white, and, and blue. blue. <laughs> These colors don't run, <laughs> they fly, <laughs> and they nailed it. Uh, and then they were like, we'll just paint that on. Uh, the, pop Pop got them. Yeah, they, they'll paint that on Pop Pop got them forever until the <laughs> end of time. Well, like I said, I w- I'm actually interested in playing the ones where the games go off the rails. Because yeah. that seems imaginative and cool and the things that I wanted from this game. Yeah. But big, big ups to those three missions that I mentioned that were actually outstanding. Yeah. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, turn your 3D sliders to max, uh, because we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D on the Nintendo 3DS. Until that time, if you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is on NoClipPodcast.com. That's where you can find our, our old episodes, links to iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, all of the cool, fun places where we post our insightful, great, neat episodes. And uh, after you listen to those and have your mind completely blown, give us a five-star rating. iTunes, thumbs up on YouTube. Tell all your friends. Leave a comment, smash that motherfucking like button into oblivion. Detonate a tactical nuke on the like button (laughs) and allow the fallout to irradiate the subscribe button. (laughs) Crawl helplessly out of an air out of a downed helicopter and fall onto your face, breaking your neck in a tragic way onto the alert button so that you get notified of all of our new videos. Pick up a casket full of all of your fallen brothers. <laughs> Move it slowly to the comment section. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was the best ending we ever did. I just mean, like, buckets of ice placed strategically around the room Mm. in order to cool it off. That's actually something I'm surprised I never saw on an episode of Mythbusters. 
Is that a myth? No, 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 I don't know. The, I don't, <laughs> temperature isn't a myth, Andy. Oh. But the, the, the myth would be, can you cool a room down by just putting buckets of ice in it? So you can see, like, obviously the answer is yes. It's right. just like, is there any practical amount of ice mm. that you can put? That also does seem like a late stage Mythbusters yes, episode. exactly. I remember, I thought that the time that they died as, like, a concept was when they were like... Because they would do, like, uh, the myth of this, th- like, the ice bullet that killed JFK. <laughs> like, that's a myth. They, they tested it. They proved it wrong. Cool. <laughs> but then they were like, a bull in a china shop. Will a bull really knock over some china? I'm <laughs> 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 like, that's not a myth. That's a saying. <laughs> Nobody's disputing it. But then, of course, they made it interesting somehow because the bull actually avoided all of the china. Yes, it did. And I don't know how that happened. (laughs) It seems, like, completely implausible. Yeah, they they went from testing myths to testing possibilities. Yeah, just, like, anything. Yeah. They should have changed the name to Science. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb Science (laughs) with Jamie Eidemann. And Adam Sessler. And Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> <God damn it. laughs>